4 o'clock football frenzy. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk. He's up in about 15 minutes. You can see him on uh, with Florio on Peacock, becoming a big TV star. So we're lucky to have him. Again, that's in 15 minutes. Let's get into it. Uh, we were just watching your boy Doug Kazarian. He used to be on uh, Channel 13 when they had sports uh, here in town, and he's now doing the gambling show. Daily Line? Daily Wager. Daily Wager on ESPN. I don't get to see it because it's on at the same time as us. But were they just doing best bets? Was that the bottom line I saw? What was one of the best bet, best bets? It seems like it. And uh, I think one of them took the uh, over on quarterbacks in the first round, five and a half. Over. Five and a half over yeah. on the quarterbacks. Plus like I, I bet that. But it's like a, a little lottery ticket. Throw it away. Is there value in that? No. It'll be, a, it'll, it'll be a miracle in the 20s for someone to go crazy and take, uh, you know, Davis Mills Kellen or Kellen Mond. Kyle Trask. Right? It's not happening. But it was when I got it last week. It was three thirty-five. Now it's plus three eighty. That doesn't seem like a best bet. No, I would not label it as a best bet. I didn't, I think theoretically too, if you really want to get into it, you should realistically get better odds than three eighty. When when does value disappear? I mean, I guess it doesn't unless you have a giant minus. But even at a giant minus, sometimes it can still be a best bet. I noticed um, Anita. I'm blanking on her last name out of, out of New York. Yeah, uh, Anita Marks. Uh, last week, uh, you know, I was looking at the odds board and I'm like, I don't know if Micah Parsons is going to be the first guy defensively drafted. I was like, I'm, you know, my philosophy, the good teams build with tackles on the line, Mm -hmm. offensive line, defensive linemen and cornerbacks, cornerbacks. Like I love, I like the under 18 and a half offensive players drafted in the first round because I think the the sports media gets all giddy over the stories and then and offensive players all the stories and then when the guys sit down there and they're like hey who are we going to take with a first round pick it turns out to be a lot more defense than you expect so anyway uh, Patrick Sertan last week was the second choice his first defense player picked in the draft he was plus one seventy five uh, Anita took him as the first player drafted on defense at minus one thirty. Like that hasn't moved enough where you're like, that's a bad bet. You didn't get the good number. Right. And and the difference here in a situation like this is this is all information based, right? So theoretically, Sertan at minus 130 could still have value if the information is solid enough, right? That he is going to be the first defensive player taken. So I I think that's where, now we don't know that. I haven't seen any reports that he would be. And to your point about Parsons, too, the reason why he's, you know, moving in terms of his position, because you're right. You know, tweener, inside, outside linebacker doesn't have the same positional value as lockdown corner or edge rusher. And so he's not going to, on top of the off the field I, stuff. I that still think do. it, and who knows, it maybe it, maybe it affects Chase. Maybe Jamar Chase, Chase slips just a little behind the two Bama kids who actually played. And maybe, maybe they look at Waddle and they're like, that guy played, got hurt, and even tried to limp around. He loves football. Jamar Chase, I don't know. I don't know if he's dedicated. I'm not saying that. But you know the way NFL yeah. wackadoos can look at guys, they slice and dice them, and they're like, does he really want it? Why do he sit out? That's not dedication and loyalty to your teammates. I think it's dedication and loyalty to being a professional. Yeah. But 
and I, I also think, I mean, with Chase at least, you know, a lot of the time, especially in the NBA, but a lot of the times you're drafting on projection of what these guys are going to be. Yeah. And if Chase, like, fully evolves, he's going to be a freak. Like, it looks like he's going to be a really good wide receiver. And you have the anecdotal evidence that he's a former teammate of the franchise quarterback for Cincinnati. Did you see – I didn't see the number on first non-quarterback drafted, Kyle Pitts, because Arian had that one, but I didn't see the number. It looked like minus 130 or minus 180, one was. of the two. Like one of those circular – light. That seems small, doesn't it? I mean, oh. I got it at plus 125. Oh, you did? Yeah, like two weeks ago. So nice. like, That's moved a lot, like Pitts being the first guy, the first non-quarterback taken. Is that the one you feel best about? What do you feel best about no. that you made early? Actually, the one I feel best about, and this will probably blow up in my face, Rashawn Slater under 10 and a half. I got him at like minus 145. Some spots he's 10, some spots he's nine now. Um, but I think there's going to be a run of tackles like six, seven, eight, nine. You know, oh, all man. of those teams, Dolphins, uh, not in the order because I don't remember, but Dolphins, Panthers, Lions, all need offensive alignment. And Sewell could be gone by that time too, which means that, you know, Rashawn Slater, who's projected to be the second best offensive lineman, is just sitting there waiting to be taken. I think you're on the right side. Yeah. I mean, as opposed to, again, what the hype has been that it's, it's going to just be all skill players. Mm hmm. Going in the top seven or eight. And I would say, to your point, too, about the offensive players, I think generally you're right. But it, it seems like this year, again, just reading analysis of the overall class, that the skill level and the ability to impact teams immediately, the defensive players aren't really there. And I think that's why mm -hmm. there is some. And, again, that's just and, all reading analysis from guys who are, you know. John, the other part of this, what I'm, what I'm saying may have been the mentality for the last 10 years where, you know, hey, offensive line, defensive line, and yep. cornerback, there may be a lot of organizations now who are like, you know, look at look at the Chiefs. Even look at what Tampa did. You get Tom Brady, then you surround him with uber weapons. Everything could be slanted towards offense. Those are the guys who earn the big money, and you piece together your defense. So maybe maybe defensive players aren't going to be as highly coveted in the first round. Well, and and even like take it further when you just look at offense as a whole, right? You know, I, I I've cited this before, uh, but the guys with Pro Football Focus, you guys have had them on before, like Steve Mon or Sam Monson, Steve Palazzolo, they have a podcast. They were talking about this, and I agree with the sentiment that, you know, take Cincinnati, for example, right? The two guys we keep hearing, Panay Sewell or Jamar Chase, you know, that they're potentially taking. In today's NFL, who has more positional value now? Is it Panay Sewell, right? Because a left tackle doesn't just solve everything for you along the offensive line. It's one guy among five. Or in today's NFL, is it Jamar Chase, who, yeah, who could just destroy guys downfield <laughs> right. and bring the level of your offense, the floor of your offense, higher and then you could go in the second round where you hold another high pick and grab an offensive lineman that you could project and develop going forward. And I think that's kind of the way we're shifting now in terms of team building in the NFL. Have you been listening to any of uh, Pirate Radio, as they call it? Levitards? Yeah. yeah. A, a little bit here and there. I feel like whatever they're doing, one of the things they've lost by being off of ESPN and they're developing a whole new media company, which I'm sure is going to be tremendous, well-funded, and fully staffed. I feel like one of the things I'm missing, and I mention this all the time, my radio listening habits are actually really what pops up on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Whatever you put up in two-minute clips is basically what I see. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm not seeing as much Levitard stuff now that they've been gone from ESPN, but whatever, just a thought. So I haven't seen a whole lot, uh, but uh, the Vast Sound crew led by Ari – uh, Ari was saying that uh, Eckler, Austin Eckler, the Chargers running back, was on Levitard, and they got into a story about Philip Rivers and all those kids. Fire this. Right, right. The first time I saw him, like, we were in San Diego before we transitioned up. I thought he was doing like a meet and greet out on the field. Uh, we're just like some youth, right? And then come to find out it was actually that's just his family. Because, <laughs> I mean, when you see someone with like eight little kids running around him, it's like, oh, you know, it's you know, probably like some – 
like little tour or something like that. But no, those are all of his children. And that was, yeah, very shocked um, that this man is the father of all these kids and good for him because uh, <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> there you go. He fades at the end, but Austin yeah. Eckler, maybe not the biggest kid guy. Maybe not the nine or ten kid say, Maybe guy. not the nine kid. <laughs> Three is good. Hey, good for Phil Rivers. That, that's, uh, you know, that's what he enjoys. It means he's had sex at least nine times. Okay. Should we make some Mary joke there? <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> potentially. Very good for him. All right. I don't know. I, I mean, I might, I might think it. I mean, I would assume they all kind of look like the husband and wife. So then you're like, hey, they got a big family. I mean, I don't, I don't like if, if that were, whether it was Rivers or anyone, if that was something I saw in Vegas, it, that doesn't shock me because, you know, we can drive to the north and you've got gigantic families in Utah. Yeah. And a lot of the same folks live here. Uh, do my wife's family, or like her, you know, her parents, they, they come from big families. I think, uh, don't quote me on this, her mom's side, she has a total of eight brothers and sisters and her wow. dad, 11, right? Like, I just, do I go here? Just put it. I have witnessed the miracle of childbirth. I don't know how women do that like 11 times, nine times. That's some tough stuff pretty crazy yeah there's a lot of places i could go i was just thinking about a country music documentary and a song that loretta lynn sang so these things come into my head oh i'll tell you about it during the break i don't think it's good for sports exactly that's the first part he's like who's loretta lynn Ah, that's a good that's it's an old reference (laughs) it's a very old reference all right on the way back miles simmons is coming up uh there's more chatter about what could have happened with deshaun watson until he ran into these troubles could we be going into this draft with the Dolphins having a completely different game plan with Tua out of town. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune up today by calling 577-2600. From the fantastic Nova Home Loan Studios, it's Cofield and Company. We like to think the uh, Cofield and Company show, crew members, myself, are a little well-rounded. Not fully rounded. But then we can talk about anything. Uh, Miles Simmons is one of those guys. I know he's got a lot of interest outside of what he does at Pro Football Talk. But we're going to talk a lot of football, Miles. How you doing, Miles? I'm doing well. I, I appreciate that you think I'm a well-rounded person. I mean, I don't know you that are. there's much in my brain aside from football and song lyrics. At least that's what I tell people. So, I'll, I don't uh, know. I mean, I'll give maybe you a, there is a little bit more. Yeah, I'll give you a break right now for a second. Uh, I, I made a – this is bizarre. But uh, okay. I made a Loretta Lynn reference before we went to break. And John started looking her up. And, and then he went down this rabbit hole of some, like, revolutionary crazy song called The Pill. Back in 1975. So John may be a country fan soon. John? I'm definitely a Loretta Lynn fan, that's for sure. Right? She's a badass. That was that was the most baller song I've ever read in my life. Right? You were, you were like, wow, this is, getting, this is getting kind of dirty. I mean, Coal Miner's Daughter, that's a, it's a classic, right? I know. She was a, uh, she was a, she, yes, yes, a sissy spacek, right? Uh, Loretta Lynn was a badass, uh, you know, grizzled veteran, hard nose. She'd be a good draft prospect. See what I did there? Let's get back to football. Um, okay. Yeah, I know. It's, underrated athleticism yeah. from underrated, Loretta Lynn. <laughs> underrated athleticism. Grinder. Uh, there are certain <laughs> things the Raiders. <laughs> athleticism, yeah. I know. 
I know. Uh, Miles, there are certain things the Raiders look for in players that uh, makes them a unique team when it comes to drafting and the predictability of their draft pick. Just from being around the Raiders organization, the way John Gruden talks and the way Mayock judges players, can you tell the audience like, like what makes them unique and very unpredictable? Well, I mean, the first thing that goes back to Al Davis is just speed. Right, and I think part of this is the reason, you know, why you have to be able to compete with the Chiefs, um, at least at this point in time in 2021. You need speed in order to compete with the top of the division, and that's who the Chiefs are. They are very, very fast, and so that's what John Gruden's talked about the last couple of years is wanting to get faster. That's why they drafted Henry Ruggs when they drafted him, making him the first wide receiver to come off the board last year. So I think that's one aspect of it. The other thing, I mean. They want the toughness aspect. You know, they want to see guys probably who come from bigger time uh, college programs. You know, we've seen them draft guys out of Clemson a lot over the last few years. You want those guys who have been in situations before where you can say, yeah, we know that they have the toughness um, and the mental makeup that when we put them out there, we can trust them. So I think those are probably the couple things that they always sort of seem to look for in different guys. And now you can debate whether or not those things work out. You know, I think of the last few, over the last few years, you know, those first round picks that they've had, the many of them, you can say that Josh Jacobs definitely has worked out, but the rest of them, and the jury's either still out or you're kind of right. saying, man, I don't know if they're going to pick up that fifth-year option on those guys because it becomes fully guaranteed. So this third season, and I'm talking about specifically Cleet Farrell and Jonathan Abram, this third season coming up is going to be really big for them. Massive. Uh, and I think one of the one of the things that's flawed about their approach, and this is really simplifying it, is that I think Gruden really likes alphas, right? Because he's an alpha, yeah. and he's, he's chatty, and he's a guy who, you know. Now that said, every great football player is not an out-front alpha person. No, definitely not. And I think Dan Campbell said it best when he said that a true alpha knows when it's time to concede. And I just love to use that line at any point in time now because Dan Campbell <laughs> is my press conference king. So I, anyway, I, I just I feel like you, you want those guys that are dogs, you know, that have that mentality, that are alphas. And you know, some of those guys can come from the smaller schools, like a Max Crosby. He's not coming out of someplace where he was, you know, highly touted, highly recruited, and all of those different types of things. But I think that's probably one of the best scouting jobs that this team has done since John Gruden has been back, is finding somebody like a, a Max Crosby who can come in and can lead the team in sacks over the last two years, his first two years in the league. Now, having said that, you also drafted a guy at four overall, right, that, you know, it's not necessarily the thing he does, but I think when you draft the guy top five, you expect certain production out of him, and that's not necessarily who Cleef Earl is, so that's fine. But I think that when you're looking for specific types of guys and specific types of players, you want to make sure you're getting guys who fit into your program, and that's why scouting is so important because if you can't, de if you can't depend on your scouts and your area scouts to really go in and determine who is going to fit, then you're not going to have a team that's going to be cohesive and the teams that are the most cohesive are the ones that end up winning. So it, it, it all is very interconnected in all those things, and that's why scouts spend so much time on the road because you get a chance to really get to know these guys personally and get to dig into their backgrounds. You dig into what the coaches think of them, what their fellow players think of them at their colleges, 
And that's why this draft is about to be so wonky because guys really weren't able to get on the road and do that last year with a pandemic. Miles Simmons with us, Pro Football Talk. So we've been uh, chatting and arguing and uh, talking about bets in the top seven, and so much of it's about quarterbacks, which I think this report's pretty interesting. Uh, John McClain, who's a longtime NFL guy, very connected, very responsible with his reports. He's at the Houston Chronicle, said, hey, the plan was uh, the Texans were going to get Tua and uh, and draft picks, including the number three pick. Houston was going to have the number three pick back. Um but that all blew up because of the Deshaun Watson issues. How much different would the draft have been this year, uh, especially in that mix of all this quarterback speculation, had the Dolphins upgraded a quarterback and the Texans were all taking care of a quarterback and then were holding a pick? Yeah, you know, that would have been really interesting because the Texans then, in theory, could have traded again with San Francisco, right? I mean, if you have your quarterback and San Francisco is trying to come up and get theirs, then hey, you might make even more uh, out of it in terms of first-round picks. And so it, this whole Deshaun Watson thing has really kind of upended the offseason because it limited the amount of, of trades that could happen for veteran QBs. And I think you know, Russell Wilson also was out there and dangled out there, pardon me, but you know, when you're talking about Russell Wilson and when the Seahawks either might trade him or might think about trading him, that wasn't going to happen probably before June 1st because of the cap implications. So, in theory, it could still happen later on down the line this offseason. I don't necessarily think that it will. But, you know, I, I one thing I feel like i got to say, too, I, I trust John McClain. You know, that guy is as plugged into Houston yeah. football as anybody. So when he says it, I believe it. And it is. it was sort of the obvious trade that would be for Deshaun Watson um, where you have somebody – like Tua Tagovailoa, who can come in and can be the starting quarterback and potentially has a pretty decently high ceiling. And you can also get that third overall pick, and then you can maybe, you know, like I was saying, flip that for more picks if you want. It would have made a lot of sense for Houston to start all over in that way. And, you know, in theory, Deshaun Watson could still be traded at some point in this offseason whenever all of these lawsuits that he has been hit with are resolved. Now, and I don't necessarily mean, you know, like just shoved away when they are actually resolved to a way that is satisfactory to uh, the alleged victims of these crimes, right? So that's something that could still be down the road because who knows what Houston's going to want to do with Deshaun Watson. But like I said, if, if John McClain said that that would have been the trade, and it frankly was the obvious move, and I believe that that's probably what would have happened, then who knows what would have happened then. Miles, from the other day, Kyle Shanahan, the weird press conference, which he put a hit out on Jimmy Garoppolo. When you look at that press conference, do you take anything away from what Shanahan said at all? Um, the, the one thing that I would say is that I think more people now are convinced that Jimmy Garoppolo will not be on the team this year, which, I mean, you know, I was saying that, and we were saying that at pro football, uh, basically from the moment the trade happened. You don't trade up for a guy and give up what the 49ers gave up in terms of first-round picks and go all the way to number three overall to have that guy sit on the bench behind somebody that's going to make $25 million this year. It just wasn't going to happen. It doesn't make any sense from a team-building standpoint or from a contractual and a money standpoint. You just don't do that. That is a non-guaranteed salary. It's, not, it's going to cost you, I think, like $3 million, maybe a little bit less than that, to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo if you just want to cut him. Okay, so now I think that people are starting to believe that. And I don't know why it took so long, but 
and you know, people wanted to believe what Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were saying at the beginning of everything. Where oh, you know, we still want Jimmy to be here. We like him. We like this and like that and da 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 da. They don't make the trade unless they don't believe that Jimmy Garoppolo can cut it as a starter. That's that's why something like that happens. So I think that that's the one thing that you take away from it. And other than that, I guess life is precious, right? Because he's right. You can't guarantee that anybody is going to even be alive on Sunday. It's a very good fact. Uh, you know, so I'm curious, and this is me reading way too much into it. So he talks about, you know, if we're going to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, essentially, you know, they're getting a guy, as you mentioned, would be able to start day one. A lot of people would assume that that is Mac Jones. Could I make the argument that uh, in a system like that, where it's very quarterback friendly, the signal caller doesn't need to do much because Shanahan's kind of a psychopath in terms of how much he is involved. It could still be Trey Lance at number three. It could, but I just don't see that. Because I think if you're talking about Trey Lance, He's somebody that has not played as much football as all the rest of these top guys that we're really talking about, right? You know, all of all these other guys that have at least been starters for at least parts of two seasons. And he was really only the starter for one season, and he played great. But then they go and they play Central Arkansas this year because uh, that FCS season was moved into the spring for the pandemic, right? So when you see Trey Lance and what he did in that one game, it really wasn't the best case. And that's not everything. I think when you are a quarterback and you know you have the chance to be drafted really high, as he does, it probably puts a lot of pressure on you. Just thinking, man, a lot like what I do right here is probably going to determine a lot about my future. And I don't know that he could play free and easy. But, you know, I saw an interview with him. He was on NFL Network today, and he said, you know, I look forward to getting in this league and starting to prove people wrong who think that I'm wrong, who think that I need – uh, to refine my skills and different things like that, that I'm more of a project player. But having said that, I, I, I still think that he's more of a project player, and I don't think that you trade up to number three overall for a project. I think that you trade up for a guy who you believe can come in and play right now and is going to be able to run your offense and run your system exactly the way that you want it. And by all accounts, that seems to be Mac Jones. So we were we were talking about this, and Steve has a theory which I, I somewhat agree with. Like it could be very potential, uh, very probable. If it's not Fields at number three, you know, I think Miles, the way the board breaks, there is some potential for Fields to start to drop because when you look at the teams after that, Atlanta, Cincinnati, you know, Miami, Detroit, Carolina, Denver, Atlanta is a potential spot where they could reach and grab him at number four. But outside of that, you know, you still have Matt Ryan there. I think it's more pits than anything. Where's the spot for Fields? Because if I'm a team that's sitting back, if I'm the Broncos, why would I trade up? I'm going to get one of Lance or um, uh, Fields to come and fall into my lap. Like, there's a potential that we don't see as much movement as we're projecting, right? There certainly is. I mean, unless there's one of these teams like a Washington or New England potentially that wants to move up and come and get Justin Fields. But I think you're right. You know, it could be somebody like Detroit at seven. You know, they have Jared Goff, but who knows exactly what they're going to do with him. Uh, I think that a quarterback in that situation would actually be in a decent one because Jared Goff can be the guy who starts the season, and he's still pretty young. You know, I mean, he was the first overall pick back in 2016, but at the same time, I think over the last couple of years, it's been pretty clear that Jared Goff has not played like you expect a number one overall pick to play. So in those, those turnover problems, they're difficult to just make go away. So I think that from that standpoint, you could maybe see somebody like Detroit try to get their quarterback of the future and pick a guy like either Fields or Lance. 
by that same token, you know, Denver at nine overall, yes, they they seem to want to get somebody other than Drew Locke in there, right? And whether it's Teddy Bridgewater, who they trade for, because you got to remember George Payton used to be the assistant GM for the Vikings. The Vikings obviously drafted Teddy Bridgewater way back in 2014, so there's some connection there. That could be a trade that you see maybe in the middle of the draft for a mid-round pick on day two or day three. Um, so it just seems like one of these teams that is also in the top ten could pick either Fields or Lance, and people seem to really think that Fields could be the guy who starts dropping. But I just really think that at some point before, say, 15 overall, somebody's going to get Justin Fields. I, you know, I don't necessarily have that much of a way of knowing it, but I just feel like he's the kind of guy that has shown that he's a big-time gamer, that he can make the throws. And even if you need to refine what he's doing as a passer a little bit, I think it would be a good situation for teams that really need a QB to come and get him. Because you know, if you are, say, Washington, how long is Fitzpatrick really going to work out for you? If you're New England, how long is Cam Newton really going to work out for you? I think one of those teams is going to make a move at some point if fields starts dropping. Miles, let's get out of here on this note. What's cooking the next couple of days with you and Florio? Uh, what's cooking? Well, we will be covering every single pick of this draft, at least in the first round. So you'll definitely want to check out all the coverage of that on Pro Football Talk. And I will be on the PM show on Thursday and Friday. Thursday we will set up, obviously, wow. the first round. Friday we'll recap the first round and set up everything for the second round. So it should be definitely a fun week uh, for everything Pro Football Talk related. Miles, you're awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. There he is. Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk, was here covering the Raiders. Long time was covering the uh, Rams, but he – I don't know why I said but. He knows the NFL. There's no but. He knows the NFL. Ari knows the phones are going to be ringing here in a second. 364-1100, Caller 11, caller 11, caller 11. Let's get the VIP treatment out there to another lucky listener from Floyd's 99 Cuts and Color. VIP pack includes – Shoulder massage, free massage shampoo, hot lather, neck shave, and guess what? The haircut, too. So you get all that. It's a VIP package at Floyd's 99 Cuts and Color. Caller 11, 364-1100. You got two locations, South Rainbow and the 215. And in Henderson, at Stephanie and Sunset. It's Floyd's 99 Cuts and Color, 364-1100. Cofield got his mortgage tuned up. You should, too. Call 877-700-NOVA now to lower your interest rate and lower your payments. For Dustin DeHart's Club 99, back to Steve Cofield. Sammy P, Gambling Insider on Tuesdays, is up from Nesson in about 10 minutes. Your choice. Do I talk here about Mina Kimes or Joy Taylor? Hmm. That's all you get? That's it. Mina Kimes, ESPN, all over the platform, all over multiple platforms, and uh, Joy Taylor, who's on with Coward. Mina Kimes. Ooh, good choice, because that's what I was going to go with. Okay. This is a dangerous move. This is a real dangerous move on my part. I don't know why, I don't know why I'm going to do this. Flying blind here. I don't know why I'm going to do this. But I will. I'm just going to set this up. 
asking you a question. You have a cat now. You've had the cat for how long? Um, like I'd say nine-ish months, eight months. Cat guy? Me? Well, I grew up with the cats, so I guess technically. And An- I, I love my Anti-dog or just don't have one right now? Just don't have one right now. I'm pro-dog. Okay. I'm not. I don't know if I'm anti-dog. I, I, I don't mind being around them, but I don't want them as a pet. So know that going in. Mina Kimes tweets, no greater feeling than telling someone I'd be delighted to sit next to their dog on the plane. She's joking. Am I a hero? Who is to say? That same scenario. Person, dog, open seat. What do you do? Tell them to switch places with their dog. I'm not sitting next to your dog. I guess you don't want to be a hero. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> What's your problem? Well, like it's probably just, a nice little dog, probably an emotional support dog. It probably is, but do- other people's dogs are like other people's kids. You have no idea how they control them. Yep. What the problems are. Yep. What if it starts humping my leg? What if it starts sniffing me and licking me? I don't know where it's been. What if it's the only seat left? Again, just politely ask. I'm going to sit there. Can you switch seats with your dog? Because I don't want to sit next to it. All right. Animal. There's a chance, depending on my mood, I might get off the plane and take another flight. No, you wouldn't. I've done it before. What? Yeah, I told you. I've, I've told that story before. I have a promo. There was someone sensor. very heavy who I was eyeing, you know, the open seat, and I'm like, I'm just not in the mood. Get off and take the next flight. And now I'm that person. Hmm. See how things, things, things turn around. Now I'm the guy who's spilling over the side of the seat and looks kind of unkempt and smelly. Oh, well, so you want to get a good story. There was one time where... Uh, I was okay. Really- <laughs> that story. Okay. Want to hear a good story? Well, it's not really a good story, I but I was on a flight to the East Coast with that. John Murray was actually on this flight as well, and we were sitting in a row, and it was just me and John. And there was, you know, he had, he was on the window seat, I was on the, the aisle seat. There was a seat between us, empty. Cool, uh, like great. But the last guy gets on the plane, and the last guy is like six 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 seven, probably like three hundred ninety pounds. Do it. He's huge. Man, that is that's one of the scarier experiences when you're you're sitting there and you're like, Oh, is my seat the seat? And it's one of the few seats that are empty. Yep, yep. So your boy pretends to be asleep. Oh right in the aisle seat. Sure. <laughs> so he would, Actually I meant brilliant. So he wouldn't pick and you know what he did? He picked the aisle right in front of us. Oh man. Brutal. How 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 tight a squeeze was it? Oh, it was brutal. Middle seat? Yep. Middle seat. And that's the other thing, too. Like, if he would have selected us, yeah. I would have been kind enough to have been like, do you want the aisle? Yeah, like, you, move, you know what I mean? Over. Yeah, I would have moved I would over. do that. But I'd like, be miserable, but I would do that. Right. But, for yeah. For a dog, though? Pretend, oh, for a dog. Move your, move your dog. That's wow. ridiculous. You're, you are, by the way, you are hated now. <laughs> Our audience hates you. No, I don't hate dogs. Dogs over like, human beings. Move your dog. Dogs over human beings. Sammy P is on the way. We're going to find out where he is on... NFL draft betting. If you've been following this for the last month or so, there are uh, so many changing odds. I'm really curious to see what Sam's jumped on this last week. Club 99 is presented by Dustin DeHart at Nova Home Loans. Want to talk interest rates and ask about getting your mortgage tuned up? Dustin is Cofield's real estate guy. He needs to be yours, too. Call Dustin DeHart at 577-2600. Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. Yep, Sam Paniotovich, Dessen. 
Fox Sports is with Von Tobel, Cofield. What's up, Sammy? I am very, very nervous. I, I love something so much that it makes me nervous. And you, you know that feeling when you love a bet or a pick that much? Like you can't see how it loses? That's where I'm at on Kyle Pitts, buddy. Oh, boy. All right, lay it out for us. Well, I mean, I got a text on, on Sunday night, late Sunday night, that you know I know some guys in some of the organizations of the NFL and a couple of people in Atlanta have been, you know, been real hush-hush on Pitts because they really like him at four, and there's this notion of Matt Ryan throwing jump balls to Kyle Pitts, you know, bring the kids back to the SEC country, and, and, and let's just make some fireworks and make some magic. And now what happens is that paranoia phase a couple of days before the draft, and the people start talking like, uh-oh, we're getting nervous he's not going to be here at four. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't know that he's going to go third overall, but that didn't stop me from betting 40 to one on pitch to go third. Anyways. Um, I just think <laughs> yeah. I, I'm invested every which way I have pits under five and a half minus 40. I have pits to be the first non quarterback taken, which is minus minus one fifty. I've got pits to go third and fourth, and I've got some exotics in there as well. But this is a guy, when you look at him on the film, he just leaps off the screen and his numbers in the sec are Um, you know, I just, he, he is the ultimate monster. He's six, six, he's two sixties built like a tight end runs like a receiver. I know people don't like tight ends in the first five or 10, but this guy ain't your average tight end, man. You and I are a peas in a pod. I have a lot of I, I bet a lot of stuff pits early. I got him like plus one twenty five to be the first non quarterback taken. I got him under five and a half plus one thirty. So I am all in on Pitts being a top pick and being there for Atlanta. Let me ask you this, Sam: Am I wrong in reading too much into the fact that Julio Jones is on the market? Because I think that actually solidifies that it's Pitts. Why would you trade away Jones, your top overall offensive weapon, if you're not going to go get another one? I agree with what you're throwing down there for sure. I, I, I still keep thinking they're going to figure the financials out. There's always a couple teams that it's like, oh, my God, they'll never figure it out. Like the Saints have to shave $90 million in payroll. And then in a week it's like, oh, yeah, we figured it out. You know, so I, I don't know how the whole cap structure works, and I'm sure that these guys can get creative in the front office. I, how about the potential of, of Jones looking to his left for Julio and looking to his right for Pitt? Um, yeah. I look, I think we should also discuss, you know, what you did and what I did. We have the same best, but you have better prices. I'll tell you what, if it, if it turns out in the next 24 or 48 hours that the Falcons are in fact not trading the pick and they're going to take this and that might come out, you got plus 30 on him under five and a half. I, I laid minus 140. If that comes out, we, we used to sit at the desk together at Vison. This thing could go to minus three or $4. Mm-hmm. I will not be at the desk. Unfortunately, well, I bet Pitts over over five and a half at plus one forty five. <laughs> Wait, you're you're going about, against that, us? Are you serious? I did it two weeks ago. Oh well, you're wrong. I mean, you were wrong then, and you're wrong now. <laughs> well, yeah. What was the thinking? Was that just contrarian thought, yeah. or yeah. was that just analysis? It was a little bit of both. Just, I'm not. So wait, first of all, oh, I don't. No, you, I don't know, you know why you're doing this? Because you have that. You have that over five and a half quarterbacks in the first round. I do, but that that's more of a lottery ticket. That's more of a lottery ticket. No, I just. I, I truly believe once the media, and this is not saying like this is fake news. Once we start hyping something up, I like to bet against it because I'm not always sure that's the that's the take around the National Football League. But yeah, you know, we've got we've got Jerry Jones like openly talking about the kids. So 
Clearly, he's coveted. I mean, I, I openly talk about wanting to be a millionaire. Well, but it, and, and Sam, it also goes back to something I've discussed a lot, and we talked about it earlier on this show, that uh, I believe NFL people, uh, the good programs, the good organizations are disciplined and take offensive linemen, take defensive linemen, take cornerbacks. And um, I just – I personally wouldn't pass on Panay Sewell, but, hey, the league has changed. Now it's all about your weapons, and maybe it's not as important to have, you know, a, a 10-year right tackle or left tackle. I'm with you on the quarterback hype. I think it's ridiculous. The fact that we're talking about Mac Jones as the third overall pick potentially, I wouldn't take him fifth. I wouldn't take him tenth. I just, I, I don't get it. Um, I thought he would be a perfect guy that would have been available for Belichick at 15. Remember, this was a guy, Cofield, when the, the draft market opened up, we saw numbers on Mac Jones 17 and a half, 16 and a half. And that was, I think, the opening price on a guy who was priced correctly. It's just, I don't understand how we're talking about him to be the third overall pick. Maybe it's a different conversation for a different day, but I do have under 17 and a half. Cause I thought, wow, that number's, that number's a little too high. And now at three and a half, it's like, wow, is that really low? But, but that's betting the draft, man. I mean, you can bet this stuff, you know, some of these bets you can make six months out. Some of them you can make after the Super Bowl, and, and some of these markets change like crazy from Sunday to the Thursday of the draft. You just you have to keep your eyes peeled and be ready to rock and roll. All right, give me some of the most creative things you've seen come out maybe the last week or so around the NFL draft. I love the matchups, the head-to-head matchups. This is something that we didn't have as far back as two years ago where you get two prospects likely in a similar position and you can take them against the other player. So I have a position on J.C. Horn going before Patrick Sertan. Those are both corners. Uh, Satan from Alabama, Horn from South Carolina. I like Horn to go 10 to the Cowboys. Uh, they need a secondary guy really bad, specifically a corner. And I, I think a lot of players, they, they get overpriced or they get overinflated because of where they played. You know, if J.C. Horn played at Alabama, his price would be minus. But because he didn't, he was plus. So I, I took like plus 110 or plus 115 on Horn to go first over Satan. And, and this bet has moved crazy. Uh, back to Pitts, not to go back there, but Pitts was, I think, minus 140 to go before Jamar Chase, LSU receiver, and that market is now Pitts minus 200, uh, which plays to the point that you have to bet it before the move. Obviously, we know that, right team, right price, right player, right price, but I think the expansion of the draft betting, not only into you know who will take which player, draft position, I think the head-to-head markets are really cool, and you can really find some good betting value when you look at the head-to-heads in the draft. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the ones that sticks out, actually, a couple years ago, Saquon Barkley opened up, Sam, in a matchup with Josh Rosen, plus 290. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like you, so you talk about like some of those moves and like the information that is out there. It's incredible how much these things move. So let me ask you this. When we talk about you know the ability to bet the draft, it's funny you mentioned the stuff that's popping up. You know, I've noticed here in Vegas – you know, we're about uh, you know 24 hours from some of these spots taking these down before the draft, and all of a sudden there's just like a litany of options. Wait, are they not? They don't have the catalogs like uh, like they've had in years past. You have to excuse my uh, my unknown state here. I, I'm looking at all of these different, you know, all these different American companies, and it is. I keep forgetting it's different there than it is in Vegas. Yeah. I know a lot of Vegas bookmakers. Been... They just they don't offer stuff on the draft. They don't. Yeah, I've been really disappointed uh, that you know the the first few the, we like like we've talked about this before. 
the draft is not a profitable thing for the the bookmakers. It's the rare time in which they are on even footing with us, the betters. And so you see some foot dragging with some of these props because they don't want to put them out there. They want to wait for the information to settle, the market to settle, and then they can put them out there and everything's pretty much sharpened up. And so now we've kind of seen that, right? Some shops have just put up props about less than a week ago, and they're going to pull them down 24 hours before. I think it's been pretty disappointing to see the way that this has been handled for the most part. Yeah, you're right, though. Guys get off the airplane in Vegas. They walk into the Westgate. They walk into Circa, walk into the South Point with a book bag full of six figures worth of money, you know, and they're just they're spraying, and they're moving markets, and, and those are the guys that know what they're doing. But you're right. I mean, when you take it from our position, the better or the analyst, and you, you turn it into a conversation behind the counter, these guys don't know Jack. They don't know who's going fifth or eighth or tenth. They're just throwing a number up, and they're seeing what sticks. And, you know, a lot of these numbers, they're off – very bad. I mean, Devontae Smith is the biggest example. I talked to a group that bets the draft, does it very well every year. When that number first came out, they were like, whatever Devontae Smith is, we're going over. And I said, well, I don't know. Like, I've heard three to Jacksonville or three to, I think, Miami at the point in time, five potentially, six. The number opened five and a half. They max bet him at eight different books. Devontae Smith right now is 11 and a half. So, it's just proof that a lot of the bookmakers, they're very good at a lot of things, but they're good at the things that have formulas or algorithms or numbers. There's no formula that tells you who's going to go fourth or fifth in the draft. There's no formula that tells you how many quarterbacks are going to go in the first round. It's a guessing game for the better and the bookmaker, and that's why a lot of Vegas bookmakers don't take big bets and they don't take a lot of bets on the draft. Sam Paniotovich, Nesson, uh, Fox Sports is with us. Last couple minutes here. Uh, I do like betting, well, I guess betting into slow starts in Major League Baseball. Are you finding some crazy odds in terms of division odds? No, nothing crazy, but I think we could take advantage of a couple teams here. I mean, the Kansas City Royals, I have them over 73 wins. I think they're a good team, but now we expect them all of a sudden to compete with the White Sox. The White Sox have four offensive regulars that aren't hitting the ball. And this is a team that has Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, uh, you know, Jan Moncada. None of them are hitting the ball right now, and the White Sox are still only two games back. Uh, you can find the White Sox at minus 110, minus 115 to win the division. I think that's a very good bet because that was a team that, remember, before the season they were going to fight with the Twins and the Indians. Those teams are not what we thought they were, but now all of a sudden, like I can bet them essentially head to head with the with the Royals at minus one fifteen. All of a sudden, I'm interested. And the other division that I really like, you know, I, I like the well, I like the Braves a little bit too in the NL East, but there's more teams to leap. Milwaukee has the best pitching staff in the NL Central. It's not even close from the start to the back end. You know, from the rotation into the closer role with Josh Hader. That's the best team at pitching and catching the baseball. And you can look around, and you can find Milwaukee still plus 120 to win the NL Central. There's a lot of hype on St. Louis. The Cubs always have that sexiness about them, especially when they go on a little bit of a run. But if there are two teams right now that I want to buy at this point in time, it's the White Sox as a small favorite in the AL Central and the Brewers at plus money in the NL Central. Those are my two. So I shouldn't do the Cubs plus 550 to win the NL Central. Why don't you just send that money to me, and then I'll go to Naked City, <laughs> hang out with Josh Allen. How about that? All right. Good pop there. Good pop. I don't, I don't even know what happened with that story. I just saw a picture of uh, Naked City Chris with Josh Allen and immediately thought that uh, Adam Hill had you know, driven into a ditch. Very angry. 
I'm surprised Adam Hill hasn't been taken out back by Dana White yet, but I'm sure we'll talk about that at a different time. Yeah, actually, you know what? Uh, we had a really good podcast last night where uh, Adam took everyone behind the curtain on that whole thing. So I think uh, it got a little overblown. The the the, the death threats and uh, threats to his family that those weren't overblown, but uh, but Adam Adam and Dana are okay. I think he's I think he's going to be covering UFC 264 here. It'll all work out. All righty, I'll see you boys in the summer. Hopefully July or <laughs> August. Please come out, huh? All right, Sam. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the no masks. The, everything's lifted. We're ready to go. There he is, Sam Penny out of it. All right, it was like, get out of here. Do you think Sam was rooting for uh, like the Dana? He did sound disappointed. The Dana newspaper Adam beef to be going on for weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah, the tone was of disappointment. I don't know if it's done yet. Like uh, what you heard on the podcast last night. I, mean, I don't. I don't know if it's done yet, but these things happen. Mr. White from the UFC gets he gets angry at times. So he kind of came to Adam's. He did. He yeah. did. He came to his defense, and it also shows like what sort of respect Adam has for most of the teams and the personnel that he covers. Mm, I don't know. I read a lot that Adam was screwed, lost his job, and yeah. everything was all over. Get that mortgage tuned up right now. 877-700-NOVA is the number to call at Nova Home Loans.